didn't want to make of that store like a traditional fashion marble palace. And I just wanted to have more like a place where you love to go to, maybe sometimes to buy clothes and otherwise also to discover things, art, music, food, all the different things. I've felt that you, with the store and with the forum that you've created, that you have a mission. You seem to be a man with a new sense of mission. Well, I think you can do two things when you're in, in a situation like everybody was in lockdown. Or you can sit quietly in a corner and feel miserable. Or you can say like, okay, what can we do? And I'm more a person of doing things, trying to resolve problems. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion, and welcome to the BOF podcast. This week, we have a very special conversation with Dries Van Noten, who talks to BOF's editor-at-large, Tim Blanks, about his new store in downtown Los Angeles, as well as his thoughts about the future of fashion shows. This past season, Dries did something he's never done before, and he now sees the possibility of combining fashion shows with alternative ways to present collections. Here's Dries Van Noten inside fashion. Welcome to BOF Live. Today's guest is Dries van Noten, who needs absolutely no introduction. And Dries and I have been talking for so many years now, has always been to me one of the most, would always be one of the most interesting conversations I could have. And we've been having them during um, the whole lockdown thing. And now it looks we're on the it looks like we're cresting on a second wave in both the UK and in Belgium. So our optimism is about to be challenged once again. But in the last few weeks, Dries made a huge and gorgeous investment in the future by opening a store in Los Angeles, which I dearly wish I will get to see very, very soon. Now, Dries, congratulations on the store. Tell me what's happening with it. Oh, um, thank you. And thank welcome. You. Uh, welcome. <laughs> no, uh, the store was something which I was, of course, I was already dreaming for a long time to, to open a store in the US. The choice was rather quickly made that it would be more Los Angeles than New York because it was more like a store to try out things. But then, of course, COVID happens. We all went in lockdown. We read that opening ceremony was going to close down their stores in LA and in New York. So, and I visited the space once five years ago for 10 minutes, very short, just like popping in and out. And it was a space which really had a good energy. So I started to, to think about it and I said, like, why not? Okay, we know that, that the problems of COVID are not going to be open in autumn, but why not take the risk? Maybe as a sign of hope, just like looking to a bright future just to go for it and just say, okay, let's think about the new way of doing brick and mortar stores, trying to reinvent kind of uh, everything what is kind of selling clothes. And we went for it. In the meantime, of course, we were working also on the forum where we were talking about uh, how fashion has to slow down and all those things. So it was very, the lockdown was okay on one hand, of course, it was not a very nice period because you can't meet people, you can't sit around the table and having a good glass of wine with a lot of friends. But it was a very interesting period because we were forced to, to stay at home and to think. So I think everything what I've been doing the last months is a little bit the result of this. But the shop is extraordinary. I mean, I've seen pictures and, you know, video walkthrough. You did the whole thing remotely. I imagine that must have been torture for you. 
Of course, as I think you know that I'm very hands-on and indeed it was really like the most complicated exercise to do everything, first to do the architecture, create in fact the flow if you want, because it's a big store, it's 850 square meters, so it's like 8,500 square foot. So where we had to remove quite a lot of walls and, and change the flow of, of the whole building. So that was in fact the most complicated thing because luckily I never had a good friend over there who was there the whole time with me on FaceTime, walking through the space and then I could direct, look once to the left, turn once to the right, what is happening there, what do you see now, do one step backwards, can we show the floor, can we show the ceiling? It's in that way that we start to work, how I could discover the space and how we could recreate kind of a nice flow in the building. And then secondly, afterwards also start to think about the decorations. So it was long evenings on first dips and all those things because it was also my idea. I didn't want to make of that store like the traditional fashion marble palace. So it had to be really kind of a rough space where you just like to do things things which are not always related to fashion, which is really inviting to take initiatives, to paint on the wall, to do things, to show things, to change things. So I think that's a little bit what's happening with, with a lot of stores. It's so expensive when you see all the marble and all the precious materials and things like this, that they become very static. And I just wanted to have more like, like a, youth, a youth club, more people where people can can just come in, play on the piano. We have a grand piano, an old Steinway from 1928 at the entrance. Play records, do things. That it's really kind of a place where you love to go to. Okay, maybe sometimes to buy clothes and otherwise also to discover things. Art, music, food, all those different things. So it's kind of like a little cultural center in a way. Yeah, but I don't want to look at it in a pretentious way. Like, look, oh, now we have really the high art and expensive art. In that way also, the idea was, I want to bring art in. I want to bring like local people, local artists to the space. So we invited already now, I think four, yes, four artists from LA, because during COVID, of course, the lockdown, we couldn't really have people traveling. And they, we are invited them to paint directly on the wall. So that is kind of a homage to that street art, that's that whole graffiti street art from LA. But also to take a little bit away the mercantile aspect of art. So I didn't want like when you have in other stores like the most expensive paintings on the walls. No, I really wanted to have young people enjoying themselves to make their mark on the building. And they know also that maybe in a few months time, we're gonna paint it over and that we're gonna ask somebody else. So that is really kind of something which is a continuous change so that we have other fashion designers coming in to show also we have several exhibition spaces. We have all those opportunities there to, to, to do things. We have the vinyl room where we invite every month of other uh, personalities to make a selection of 20 records which we buy and sell them to the public. So now the first month it's too many DJs from Belgium and then next month it's going to be Devendra Banhart. So month it's like somebody from LA, somebody from New York, people who just want to share their love for music. So I didn't want that it becomes kind of a concept store. I don't want that it makes it too cultural, but just a nice, nice place to gather. And what's been the early response? It's really very, very positive. And what is really nice is, and that's I think typical LA, is that you have all those completely different type of people coming to the store. So the first weeks, uh, the first week and a half we are open now, we really have seen that we have 
even more than in Antwerp, different age groups and different style groups. You have like the rapper guys walking around with their girlfriends and their gang. And then you have, on the other hand, the most classy chic lady from 70 years old who wants to have like one embroidered piece. So, and I was hoping for that, but it's quite nice to see that this works so that, that there is something changing. And what people really react very well on, in fact, is also the archive room. It's also something which happened with the forum that we were thinking, how can we slow down fashion? Is something beautiful, which is now really beautiful, is then the value going down with 50 or 70% after six months because everything is, is in sale. So, and my reaction on that was that I wanted to make kind of an archive room where it's like a room for men and on the second floor it's a room for, uh, for women, where you have a selection of all pieces from our collections. In the past, we have our archive, of course, with all the fashion show looks, which I don't touch, don't, don't, uh, don't think that. But we have also a lot of pieces which I always thought was a pity to put them in sales. So it's a lot of pieces from the Christian Lacroix collaboration, of course, which we did last season. The jackets who didn't need to see the stores because most of them were locked, locked down really in March and reopened somewhere in, in June. So we have a lot of those pieces left over. But for me, it was going to be a pity to put all, all those pieces in sales. So we said, okay, we put them aside and we show them later again, maybe. So it's a mixture of pieces of the 90s, 2000, 2010, and but also recent pieces. And it's one room completely covered in pictures from old fashion shows. And the reactions are great. The people really love that idea that you can easily combine things from previous seasons with recent pieces. And that, that's in fact of the rooms, which is the most busy for the moment. Also the, the jewels from old accessories, from all the fashion shows, what we did. Everything is there now for the moment. And, People really love to go through that, to discover and to understand, in fact, what you want to say with it. See, I've been saying that one thing that it would be wonderful to come out of this crisis is that we reconceptualize the notion of value. You know, you just mentioned why everything goes on sale so quickly and it kind of degrades the preciousness of things. And I really like an initiative that elevates the preciousness of things just because something's from a season that's 15 years old, it doesn't devalue it in any way. You know, in fact, it makes it more valuable because, you know, the, your collections were always so huge and you never really saw them in their full splendor unless you went to one of your shop in Antwerp or the shops in Paris. So I always thought, oh, I wish I would have bought that if I'd seen that. And now you're giving people that opportunity. So I really love that. I think I love that the most. And the music and the vinyl. Yeah, the vinyl, of course, is really fun. But no, what's also another idea what we have there is that once COVID is over, and I hope that this is going to be sooner than later, we're going to invite people to bring old pieces back, worn pieces which are still in good conditions, so that we can also sell in archive rooms worn pieces. So that's not only things which are coming from our archive, because this, of course, is not going to be eternal, this I know also. Of course, every six months new pieces are added. But I think for me, the idea is also that you go really the full circle so that in that room you can also offer special pieces what people still have in their wardrobe that they don't want to keep anymore. Okay, we can dry clean them, we can restore them, and we can offer them then again for sale that we can get a second life. So there are so many things that we can do in that store. And... I think that's also great about LA. It's really a place who invites you to take risks, to try out things. 
and they are very forgiving in LA. I think in New York, it would be more, more scary. Of course, New York is also more expensive. Everything is more expensive in New York to open stores and things like that. The square foot, I think the price is more than double than what you pay in LA. But still, you have that whole idea that it's very forgiving. So, okay, let's paint on the wall. If you don't like it, okay, let's do something else. We had one artist who made a beautiful artwork in a black fitting room, a black painted fitting room. That was completely done in resin. The smell was unbearable <laughs> for four days. And that, of course, those are risks that you take. When you buy an artwork, you put it against the wall, you know where what you're going to get. In this case, it was a young guy, very charming, really beautiful art, what he was doing. And it was completely made in resin. So we closed the fitting room now for a few days. And luckily enough, we have the idea now that the smell is going away. So, <laughs> so we're going to use that fitting room now. Uh, I think from next week on, because the smell is going to be then okay, I guess. Or you tell people it's a nice smell. Yeah, no, but that, that I think is the nice thing which, which gives the energy in that store. And I think that's also what people, I hope that people can appreciate of how we do it. The last seven months have been all about restrictions and limitations. And it's interesting how many I've, people I've spoken to who feel energized by that, who confronted by this absolutely unprecedented challenge have really risen to it. I've felt that you with the store and with the forum that you've created, bringing other voices from the fashion industry together, that you have a mission. You seem to be a man with a new sense of mission. Well, I think you can do two things when, you, when you're in, in a situation like everybody was in lockdown, or you can sit quietly in a corner and, and feel miserable. Or you can say like, okay, come on, what's, what can we do? And I'm more a person of like doing things, trying to resolve problems and jumping on things. I think also it's maybe a little bit our Belgian attitude at the end. When we started with our collection in the 80s, then we had restrictions. That was a complicated time. Belgium was not existing. So we went through this with, with quite a lot of success. So... I think we had already so many big, huge problems with 9-11. We had Gulf Wars. We had all those things, uh, financial crises. All those things already happened and we survived. So I have a lot of confidence in the future that also this we're going to survive. Maybe it's more global than everything what we experienced in the past, but I think it creates opportunities. And the restrictions for me, it's not really such a bad thing, okay? We had to be more careful buying materials for the new collection. Uh, we had to organize everything in a different way. But in one way or another, it, you're getting used to things so quickly. And, so, and you discover also new things. The fact that we're sitting now here Zooming and, and talking, who would have thought about that last year? So, okay, Tim would fly over to Antwerp or, or me would fly over to London and it would be a much more complicated thing now. It's just that uh, you open your laptop and here we are. So. I see it in a rather positive way. Okay, of course, I really hope that everybody around me stays healthy and okay when you get ill, that everybody comes out in a good way. But still, I have a lot of confidence in the future. Well, when we talked at the very beginning of when the lockdown started, you were very concerned about fashion shows because you are longtime master of the fashion show, as anyone who saw that amazing book you did will know that you are the master of the intelligent spectacle. And you were concerned because you said this is something you love in fashion, that at the end of a season of hard work, this is the way you share what you've done. Instead of a fashion show, you did, what would I call it? Like a sort of multi, multi, what would you call it? What would you call your virtual presentation? Uh, I think I would call it virtual presentation. 
<laughs> no, I don't, I don't know. I don't. There is not really name for it. But of course, again, there you can say you can you can again say B sad. Uh, so it was after 114 shows we did. It was like more than 30 years of fashion shows. It was really very confronting to see like, okay, now next season, no show. And I think now everybody was a little bit realistic also next season and spring, there's not going to be shows either. So it was really like, okay, how can we present the show? How can we present the collection? What can we do? For us as a team, a fashion show was always like the grand finale of a collection. Everything was done thinking about the show, of course, not making the fashion, the clothes, but we were really very hands-on with everything, which is music, hair, makeup, selection of models, all those things. It's like a piece of theater where you think to tell a story and then everything becomes real. It's a very intense emotion, a fashion show, because you can't do rehearsal. We, you can't do rehearsal with hair, makeup and the clothes. So there's only like one moment that you see all those things together. And that's the moment that the person who organizes the show says like, go. And then you have the first model walking on the catwalk. And that's, that's the first moment that you see everything what you've worked on with the whole team for six months time. That, that's the first time that you see, okay, is it going to work? Yes or no. Is the music right? Is the light okay? Is the makeup too strong or too soft? All those things. That's the moment that you see it. And this moment wasn't there anymore. So it was like, oops, what shall we do now? And then we thought also it, it's a nice moment maybe also to see, to explain maybe some more things about fashion. Because of course, a fashion show is a magical moment, but you see only a final product. You see only the final, the dream, and you don't know all the way, the why and the how that you made certain things. And then we said like, maybe we have to, to work in a different way. So we have to work that we make a nice shoot, which creates the emotion, which shares kind of the way that we look, the person, the man, the woman who want to dress. But then we can explain also much more about the collection. So that was that optimistic feel, which I wanted to translate in the collection. So we had models dancing under the projections. I forgot to mention we did for the summer collection, we did a collaboration with Len Lai. Len Lai is an artist from New Zealand, Tim's home uh, country. And I'd never heard of him, I blushed to admit. <laughs> but the nice thing, it was like made all, it was all 1930s, late 1920s, early 30s uh, movies, completely painted on the celluloid, scratched and things like that. But it was very vibrant colors. It was very fun, very optimistic, and very, it looked like really like psychedelic late 60s, early 70s. It was like completely like a trip. But then when you hear the music with it, it was really nice because you had clearly that kind of 1930s Josephine Baker music. So it was a very interesting thing and a very optimistic and fun. And we wanted to translate that. So when we were working together with uh, Vivian Sasson for the, for the shoot, uh, we asked also that the models were dancing while the, the films were projected on top of them. So, and it gave really that kind of color, that abstract feeling. And the feeling was completely right. So the presentation, what we did was partly those films, partly the beautiful pictures from, from Vivian on the beach, in the park, at, during the night, in the studio, all those different aspects. But then we were also able to explain much more. So we showed also to all the people the little original films from Len Lai, the explanation of who Len Lai was and all those things. So it was a total package where you had like all the information and that was a nice, that was the first time for us because okay, you can, during a fashion show, you can 
show something and then sometimes backstage is quite interesting uh, when you have the people from press oh it was so interesting it was completely Moroccan inspired and then I say like the problem was it was all Romania so something went wrong so <laughs> now we really we had the possibility to explain something 100% to show that's where we started from that's the emotion one to one to share and look for yourself now if it works and reactions were really very positive people really loved it you could control your message yeah for the first time <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned vivian sasson in passing there and i think if you explained who she was it, she was so crucial in the success of this because she made the little film on the iphone of the models dancing under the lin lie projections which just looked like a total happening you know it looked like the exploding plastic inevitable or the film war or something in san francisco and then she did the incredible editorial because she shoots colorful clothes in motion just about better than anybody else in fashion, I think. And I'm curious about how that came together because it was just the most perfect collaboration. At a certain moment, we started to dream, of course. You start to work on the collection. You, it's a lot of brainstorms by Zoom quite often to see how we're going to work and all those things. Then you see the fabrics, you see the shimmer, you see the shine of certain materials. You see the bold colors, you think about that whole emotion and the whole aesthetic from that light. And then you say, okay, now we have to look for the photographer. And then Vivian Sasson's pictures are always on our mood boards. There is some, something so clear, so in one way, something quite straightforward about them. No tricks, it's just like a very direct beauty. And we knew that we wanted to have something light, colorful, sober feeling. And uh, we approached her and she, she loved the idea. And then once we knew we were going to work together with her to put the outfits together, to do the last changes about the fabrics and two things, it became all clear. It all started to make sense. And that was really a beautiful moment because she works also so fast. I was really surprised to, to see how she works. And so we worked on the beach uh, at seven o'clock in the morning because we had only one morning of beautiful weather. We hoped for two days on the beach, it became only one morning. And between seven and 11, I think she, I think she photographed 20 looks. It was so amazing to look the way that she works. She places a model. We have the guy looking through the clouds with the kind of a lens. And he could say like Vivian, in 30 seconds, you have 20 seconds of sunshine. And the model was placed there and then the sun appeared and it was tac, 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 tac. And then afterwards, I have it. Okay, next to it. And that was so amazing. And it also that was also the, the spontaneous, the, the directness, which was the, which gave the pictures also the energy. And I think that's also what you feel, even if it's, if it's like a picture, you still feel that it's kind of you feel the moment. And that I think is fantastic. Now that editorial had to sort of fill the role of the show in a way in showing the audience what the clothes do. So that was a new thing for you. But do you feel now, now that you had that experience, that actually that is an avenue you'd be happy to explore some more? I think you're probably going to have to, and you know, in, in March. We'll have to. Yeah. We'll have to for next season also. It was a new thing for us because uh, you know that we don't make publicity. So my only way of expression always has been uh, fashion shows. So doing thinking now about shoot thinking about how magazines are shooting shooting things at all and which also something which you kind of nearly lost now that the whole shoots for magazines all that aesthetic 
when you think about Ray Petri, when you think about all those great moments. Uh, that's a little bit also because when I think about fashion, most of the strongest, the strongest images which are coming, popping up in my head are still images, are photographs, are photographs from Cold Poiret, beautiful garments. It's 1930s, so 1920s, 1930s, beautiful art deco things. It's 80s Ray Petri. It's like all those, most of the time it's photo shoots what you think about. So it was quite interesting to, to work once around that. So because in my memory, okay, I still remember fashion shows, but for me, most of the images is, is, is shoots. So it's quite interesting. And I think also when you talk, when you see now what everybody did now in September during Paris and London and New York Fashion Week, some people say they are disappointed and they were expecting more. And then some people did fashion shows and some people did this. So I think it's quite interesting what's happening. Okay, we, everybody knows that maybe you're not there yet and that there maybe there's much more to explore, but don't forget, I think everybody had to do it also, a lot of more independent designers had to do that also maybe with a slightly smaller budget than normal. And I think it's cool, it's something which we all are learning now to see what works, what doesn't work. And we are talking now already where the whole photo shoot came like only like the last two months of the creative period last season. Now we turned it around, so now we are discussing already what can we do as presentation can have that also influence on what the collection is going to be. Mm. So it's quite interesting. So it's, it's again a challenge and we love challenges. I thought it was interesting when people said how, how much they enjoyed buyers, for example, retailers, said how much they enjoyed going, being able to go back and look at things again. I mean, like you said, the show is a show, 15 minutes, you're gone to the next one. It was like having a book that you could dip back into, you know, you, you could page back through it, look at your favorite pictures, read the text or whatever that you were interested in. And it just added such a dimension to the way you experience a fashion collection. I was surprised at how seductive it was in a way, because I love fashion shows as well. And I looked at all, I looked at the Len Live films, I looked at Vivian's photographs, I listened to you speaking ab about the collection, and it was just so, it was so entrancing, I thought, as an option to the way things have always been done. I think the moment that we're going to go now back to fashion shows, maybe also fashion shows will be changed, the concept of a fashion show. I was surprised to see how, because there are different designers who did an actual fashion show. And then afterwards, when you heard people talking about it, it was all a bit like not right to see in the times we are in now a fashion show. And I just start to ask myself, once we are out of this whole terrible situation we are all in now, what is going to be the role of a fashion show? We this, we, next season, we're going to have much more experience now, how we can share things. You have like all those beautiful things. You have that beautiful video that John Galliano did for Magella. All those, you have all those things that you can learn, you can just see that you can share, that you can organize. And maybe that the fashion show is only then one of the elements which we're going to use to, mm. to communicate about the collections. I think fashion shows could become maybe also much more personal things that, that maybe that, okay, now we are missing all personal contact. Maybe fashion show for me can become something where you have just like smaller groups, small groups of people there where you can explain something which is more like a tete-a-tete -tete, uh, meeting sometimes, all those type of things. 
And I think we start only to begin to discover now the possibilities which we have. And I don't talk only about all the technical and all the computer possibilities of Zoom and FaceTime and all those things. And okay, normally we would say, oh, it's a risk, we can't take that. Now we are forced to take risks. And I think that's the exciting thing also of it. But you mentioned how for March, you're already thinking about how to work on the collection in a way that will be reflected by whatever you decide to do in March. So in other words, you can feel that this situation is kind of mutating your creative instincts a little bit. I think it would be strange that, that our creativity wouldn't be infected by what, what we are going through now. I think there are different ways to look to this. And so that's also a big part of our, uh, our discussions with our creative team. But you clearly say like, okay, how do we live this? Do you really want to be, feel sorry, sit somewhere in an easy couch and just wear only sweatshirts and sweatpants? Or is it then just a moment, no, that you want to have a party on your own and dancing on the wild music in your living room? Or is it something that you say like the future can be bright and let's just think about that? So there are so many different ways to cope with that, to, to see how you have to handle it, of course. The business side is not easy. The practical side is not easy. We don't know if you're going to go back in lockdown, what we have to do with our printed fabrics, how complicated we can make everything. For instance, for this next summer collection, you know that we always have like the most intricate uh, embroideries. Now our people couldn't travel to India. India was also partly in lockdown. So we really had to simplify everything. But for me, it was important that we continue to make embroideries because those people need work. So it's all those things which you have to keep in mind. And of course, you have sometimes maybe different priorities, but still that, that going forward and trying to change things, not standing still, not looking to, the, to backwards and saying, oh, much better before COVID. No, I think make the best of it. That's what we try now also with the store. That's what you try with also with the collections. But you feel that there's a sort of defiance in that as well from you, that, that you know, I thought the collection was bold and, I did feel it was defiant in its colors and its glamour. It was a very, even though you said that, you know, you couldn't do the embroideries and things you would usually do, it was still a, a wonderful celebration. You know, it was a color and shine and glam and all the things that I love in your clothes. And I really felt that that was quite a defiant gesture in the, in the time, you know, that people, there were people who talked, who said, oh, I was gonna do a black collection. And then I thought, no. I'm going to go color, you know, and that was a wonderful response, I thought. I think, yeah, it's, of course, you, you don't know how people are going to react because we were maybe also lucky that we showed the collection in a rather optimistic period that everybody just came out of the first, uh, the first wave. <laughs> and uh, I think maybe when you would make a collection now that everybody feels really depressed, okay, oh, please, no, there we go again, seconds, yeah, yeah. lockdowns coming up and things like this. But uh, yeah, I, that's, I think it's in my nature to stay optimistic. And I think in a period like this, I think I made a few quite dark collections, I think two winters ago, the one with the flowers from the garden, which were all kind of sick flowers. It was like the, imp the imperfect beauty of a flower where it was all 
with diseases and things like that. And it was like all half eaten by insects. That was not the most happy collection maybe which I made. And it was all gray and strange pastels. But then, okay, when you're standing in a situation like this, what sense does the lens make when everybody's looking like, like dark and, and not happy? Don't push them even more down by making a black collection. <laughs> Just... Even the collection before spring summer 2021, I mean, the, the autumn winter 2020 collection, that collection had a real edge, a sort of, you wouldn't have said it was a happy collection. It had a kind of- It was not really a happy collection. It was, let's call it in that moment, we called it more a mysterious collection, but a mysterious collection with a serious dark edge. So it was something dark and okay, maybe it was that more like late seventies, early eighties uh, aesthetic of surgery tents, but still, there was there was all that shine things like that. There was definitely a darkness. When you look back on it, it's interesting. Do you, do you ever say to yourself, "Oh, I really felt that there was something coming," because it had that strange anticipation of difficult, dark times ahead. The sense of the world spinning out of control. I thought that you know, if it was like you had a crystal ball with that collection. I thought, and this one was so upbeat and so joyful. It's really the moment, the moment it pushes me. And I'd say also that for me, it's important that a collection has to reflect a little bit what, what you feel, what you need in the world, what you can add to the world. And I think clothes have an incredible power in that way that it's really a tool of communication. And also, and I think that's something what people really felt also now they were at home, the way you dress also influences the way you feel. It's okay, everybody wanted to feel cozy and warm, so you, let's put your, your sweatshirt and your hoodie on. But on the other hand also, um, some people really feel only good and comfortable when they wear like a Mr. Pearl corset and 12 centimeter heels. That's also reality. So I think it's a very personal thing in that way. So for me, it was important just to go for the fun and the light and optimism. One thing I'm not sure people know about you is that you have this sort of an inner how would I call it? We were talking about this recently, that you're really drawn to psychedelia, psychedelia, you're drawn to altered states, you've done collections that really focus on extremes, extremes of behavior and extreme kinds of creativity. And yet you yourself seem so calm and collected and the navy sweater and the and, and you were saying yes, but you do have this <laughs> you do have a beast within. And um, I don't know it's a beast, but I think, okay, it's maybe the, my, 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 hidden, my hidden person inside of me. I think I got, a, I have always had like a very classic upbringing. So it was a Jesuit school, so maybe sweaters, that's now also explained. So it's, it's really part of me. But on the other hand, I just want to discover the whole thing. And it's my feeling that I want to, to discover, to learn, to see all those things, which... Okay, it's not nostalgia because, okay, when you think about psychedelica and all those things that happened in the 60s, and I was, okay, I was alive at the 60s, but was six, and seven, six, seven years old. So it was not really the time that I was already aware of that. So I discovered all those things quite late. But there is something which is intriguing there. It's like reading books. And I think that's, that's also the magic of fashion. Fashion can carry you away. I think like a good book, when you read it, also you can become really the, the person from the book. You can live in the area of that book. And I think fashion creates a bit the same thing. And that's, I think, what's, what's for me is so fantastic. When you read then about all those incredible times when uh, about 
late 60s, early 70s, when all those things happened. So it was for me like, okay, I was not aware, but I feel kind of part of that in one way or another. I don't know how to explain it, but there is, there is one part of me who likes to go completely out of that. Maybe the place where you see that most is in my garden, where when I do combinations of flowers and, and, and things like this, where I really say I break all rules and I just do things which I feel I have to do. A flower child. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. When you look back at your shows, 114 shows, and when I look back, I think about the incredibly the incredible extravagance, the sort of the physical extravagance, but also the mental extravagance. I mean, it, it could be as something as simple as the men's show you did. Not simple. It wasn't simple by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, the, the show that was inspired by Brian Ferry. So it was sort of glam rock. And the, and the ceiling in the, in the um, um, Beaux-Arts was, Ecole des Beaux-Arts, was umbrellas lit from behind. So there was just a ceiling of open, colorful umbrellas which was such a simple but such a surreal effect, you know, Magritte or something. It was just... Um, there we have our Belgian side, <laughs> that surrealism. Yeah. They did. No, but it, it's, it's like, of course, uh, we have... All the, because, all the women's show with the hundreds of thousands of fairy lights rising up and down. That's still one of my favorites. Oh. Like, the, the, Quite often, I'm maybe also quite childish about it. So I like to be surprised. And also for me, surprise is even nicer when it's done with very simple, in a very simple way. I think, okay, it's fantastic that you have like huge budgets to create something. But when you can create, when you can create something magical by using a very simple material, by doing something very spontaneous, where your inner child is touched, that for me are the special, the special moments, I think. That's where I really like it. Uh, when we have like 140 crystal chandeliers moving up and down, it's all those kind of theatrical effects, but it's quite simple effects at the end. So I like, okay, Christmas lights there, it was purely the quantity. Yeah? So it was like half a container bringing over from China, and you had like 400,000 Christmas lights. And it was like a rather simple thing, but that once they were on, it was kind of a child standing in front of the biggest Christmas tree you, you could, which we could imagine. And then it also could move, it could go up and down. And that was, it's those type of things which for me are giving kind of an extra value because it's done with such a simple, straightforward idea. And that's what I love. And I think that creates an extra emotion, an extra layer to the emotions that you experience. And those lights were moving up and down to the music of Godspeed, you Black Emperor, yeah. which was just the most majestic. The whole thing was majestic. And, and you know, when I, when I had to sit back and think about how I felt about maybe not seeing fashion shows anymore, it was things like this that made me sad a little bit, except mm -hmm. when I, you know, saw what you did with Vivian. What, what other shows are you particularly proud of? Well, it's, it's an evolution. It can be something super simple like the bacon collection with the tilted mirror at the back, which became kind of also a very strange feeling, as also the collection was started from, from uh, Francis Bacon. It was really the right thing to do because you saw everything like in a, an imperfect way. So you saw things 
like Edward Silovich, which was walking through the field with Miri, was also kind of like that before. So, but I, I, there are so many shows which I like, which I'm proud of. There are also some which I say like, oh, what was I thinking? And it was not the best idea. And, and why did I do it in that way? So like I, what? What was one of those ones? I'm really curious. <laughs> oh, there are several ones. We will, we will once have another talk, a more private talk, <laughs> to talk through those things. No, but I think, Okay, I look also forward to do to start to think now about the next show. I think it's something which the moment that we can do it, we're gonna do a show. But I think we have to see that we find a different way, which is more sustainable, more human, more real, and using now also everything what we learned now. I don't want to go back where we were with fashion. I just think it's like it was really the right thing what happened for fashion. Okay, it's a pity that it has to happen with the whole COVID situation. But the fact that everybody had to stop, think, review, slow down, all those things, that for me is very important. And I think, I don't want to go back where we were once the whole thing is over, no. I think we have, we have learned from it and we are still learning now. And that for me stays very important. Now that's what you're doing with your forum as well, is to, to sort of try and systematize changes that you think are necessary. What would you most want to see happen in fashion when, when the dust settles after this? Slowing down that fashion can become smaller also again. Everything was more and more and bigger and further away and fashion shows all over the world. I think it's fashion is such a, we are so spoiled in fashion world. We are really, we have the most beautiful things. We can do the most beautiful things we can create. We have manufacturers who want to do things for us. It's, we have all those artisans, all those crafts, all those possibilities. And it would be such a pity that we lose that because uh, everything becomes more corporate, everything becomes more product, and everything becomes, becomes faster and faster. No, we have to slow down. We have to share things with people. Why certain things are more expensive? Why high street is this price? And why our things are sometimes far more expensive? All those things, it's not only about price, it's a craft, all those things we have to start to explain. And maybe this, in our hurry to create more and more and more, we lost this a little bit. And I think it's important for me to slow down, to, to think, to step, to, to, to move forward, but in a different way. I mentioned before, I, I said you were, that you feel like you were a man on a mission. Do you feel that you, you're sort of liberated as time passes, as you get older, that, that actually you're freer to do what you really want to do? I don't know. It's not really freer, but I think I have quite a lot of experience. Started my own collection in 1986, so now it's ready for a while, and I having done all those fashion shows. And also not having the pressure of being too big, not being too corporate. And the good thing is now, of course, also that we have, uh, that we are now, now also partially under the wings of Pooch, which of course also helps. But still, for me, it stays an important thing that, that we can think in a very free way of how we see the future of fashion, what we have to do. And I know that some people are disappointed with about the forum, that nothing actually changed. But I think it's going to be slow change. Don't expect in, 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 in four months time in the middle of a crisis that we can say now we change everything. Okay, but that's not possible. Uh, but I think the mentality has to change. I think the whole rhythm of sales, all those things really have to change. Delivering beautiful garments in September and seeing them then already minus 30 or 40% beginning of November because Black Friday is coming on and the same thing in spring. 
for me it doesn't make sense so we have to create like the new normal for people that they know that winter clothes are there is from september until january and summer clothes are then in summer which makes sense so we have really to work on those type of things that people start to understand that again and that it's not normal that you can buy a jacket at 45 euros because something is wrong then with that jacket or is, it's not correctly made because at this price normally we can't even uh, buy the zippers for this price so all those things i think we have to to educate not educate we have to to show people like look that's what we are standing for that's what we are doing and it makes sense and i think bof found this found that with the rewiring fashion initiative this the, the thing that was I found most inspiring is that there were so many people who were kind of on the same wavelength and it was just collecting them all together that created this hopefully created this momentum but even just the the act of bringing them all together was a great start I thought but I'm curious you showed your first collection in 1986 what on earth did you imagine the future held for you in 1986 In 1986, of course, you don't know what was going to happen. You just start with something. It's an experiment. You were seeing. Luckily enough, we were doing also quite a lot of uh, commercial collections to live from because uh, starting your own collection at that time was was completely different, uh, different thing. So, but thirty, thirty, what is it? Thirty four years later. Thirty four years later. For me, it's it's just like okay. Sometimes I feel still the same energy and the same feeling like why not just try, and I think that a lot of things changed, a lot of things in the world changed, but I think my mentality didn't change so much. So I'm still naive, uh, maybe in a certain way, but I can can call it maybe healthy naive, that I still dare to dream and that I still dare to try out things, even when maybe it's possible that I go and smash my head against the wall, like saying like what did I do, how, where, where, where were my thoughts, that I do something like this. And so, but I like to take risks, and I think people expect that also from us. So that's also what people they want, they don't want to see from us kind of the, every time we say product, they don't want to see like. Always the same type of fashion show in the same venue. They want that we take risk in all different ways, and that's what we try to do. What haven't you done yet that you really wish you could do? Oh, the list is really long. The oh. list is really long. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in one way or another, I still feel that I'm only at the beginning of things. So that still there are every time there are more new opportunities, as you see now also with the whole COVID situation. Okay, it's sad and it's really problematic, but it creates also new opportunities. We have to look to things in a different way. We are forced now to look to things in a different way, and I think that's a good thing. You actually can't see a time when you would ever stop doing this, then. I don't know. Maybe at a certain moment they're going to say, "Now I did it. I have another, I have another bit." And then there are no new challenges. Maybe that that would be the most difficult thing for me when I see there are no new challenges. But there is always something new, and then there is always a possibility to improve. Because I'm a perfectionist, and I always see from the previous collection like, oh, this I would do now differently, and okay, let's try, let's correct it with next collection. So there is always a next one. Well, uh, thank you so much for the last one, and I'm really looking forward to seeing um, what happens in March. And you know what? I can't believe I'm saying this, but I won't miss the fashion show if you keep creating these wonderful little packages in my library to just sit and look at all day long and fall in love with fashion again. Okay. And um, 
you feel that that's what you're doing? Do you feel you've fallen back in love with fashion or did you ever fall out, out of love with it? Or, Luckily, or? I can say I never fell out of, of love for fashion because for me, it's, my, it's my, one of my big loves. Thank you for that. Thank you very much, Dries. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. Bye. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, give us a rating, and you might be interested in joining the Business of Fashion's global membership community, BOF Professional. Our members receive exclusive deep dive analysis, regular email briefings, as well as unlimited access to our archive of over 10,000 articles, our new iPhone app, biannual special print editions, and all of the online courses and learning materials from BOF Education.